The following show is very scary. This is your weekly horror scope podcast. If we stay here, we are going to die. Of excitement. John Richards and Andy Gilly are talking everything and anything horror movies on WDEZ.com. Welcome to your weekly horoscope. It is Friday, Freaky Friday, April 5th. Uh, John Richards. And Andy Gilly here for the sixth episode. What'd you think of that intro? <laughs> that was a great intro. We got the voice guy to do it now. Wow. Well, we did. We're, we're making it big time, Andy. Yes. <laughs> wow. All right. So uh, last week had a great response for the Us uh, Horoscope podcast. Uh, people, A lot of people are seeing it. I actually want to open up because I know Pet Cemetery starting this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And okay. I have no plans on going to see it. Okay. But I think anybody in the audience that's listening, they plan on going to see that movie. I'd love to hear a review of it. Sure. Should we sure. go see it? Should we not? And then maybe we can review it uh, next week or in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so. I might see if I can check that out. Uh, I'm going to be out of town and uh, at a conference, but uh, those things sometimes aren't all that busy. I'll see if I can uh, catch that this week and maybe, uh, maybe I can talk about it next week too. I, sure, I know, we'll see. But yeah, that's probably one we should do. Uh, we should talk about. That's kind of a big, uh, big horror event, isn't it? Yeah, we talked a lot about remakes, so I, I'm we curious did. to see. I, I know that I saw a review of from Stephen King that he loved it. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he he, okay. he was uh, he was okay with the original. What the back in late? 80s, yeah, that was the late 80s. 80s yes, and uh, wasn't a big fan of it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm usually not a big fan of Stephen King uh, movies, even uh, some of the more popular ones. Uh, I really don't usually think his material comes off real well on film, but uh, I'll be interested to see this because that is a pretty big uh, horror event, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. so. All yeah. right, we'll start right. like we normally do. What you got for us this yeah. week? Okay, I got a couple movies to talk about. Um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm getting... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of the uh, ones that I've said I was gonna talk about for the last couple of weeks, Finally. and then I just forget about them the next <laughs> week. So we're we're gonna uh, delve into some of those uh, movies. Bone Tomahawk being the first one. Right. Um, I've been, I think I've been talking about talking about this movie for like three weeks now. It's an interesting entry into the rare Western horror genre. Ooh. Uh, Ravenous, which is, I, I think I mentioned that one before, is a really bad cannibalism movie. I, that's one uh, other one I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess I, there's one called Gala Walkers with Wesley Snipes of all people. Oh boy! Uh, but Bone Tomahawk is really the first Western horror movie I, I've seen that I can re- recommend. Um, I don't really remember if they say where it takes place. Maybe it's supposed to be Texas or something like that. It's some western town. The, it's the Wild fi- West. Right. It's the Wild West. Fictional town is called Bright Hope. Uh, I think it was shot in California or something, but uh, centers on a group of cannibalistic people who live on the outskirts of town. That theme again. Interesting. It's one of my favorite. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, an idiot played by David Arquette, uh, oh, I remember him from Scream, yeah. uh, disturbs their sacred grounds uh, and they come. these people come into bright hope and uh, kidnap some of the uh, town folks. Then it's up to the sheriff played by Kurt Russell and his posse, uh, paid by, played by Patrick Wilson, who's another uh, big uh, horror guy, uh, Matt Matthew Fox and Richard Jenkins uh, to get them back. Um, now, I think it'd be remiss not to talk about a certain aspect of this film. Uh, there's a point in the film in which a character named the Professor, played by Zahn McLaren, uh, he was a great uh, Native American actor. He's pretty prolific. prolific. He's been in uh, like the Fargo and Westworld TV series. Uh, he's been in some other stuff. I always enjoy seeing him in uh, in uh, things when he turns up. Uh, he comes on and gives a little speech about how these are a really terrible group of cannibals. Uh, and I think this is this is done in an effort to distance. Uh, and I'm reluctant to even call them a tribe because that's where of uh, that word's association with Native Americans. But uh, the group, the people. Uh, the professor calls the troglodytes 
it, that speech is to distance them from any kind of real Native Americans. Uh, and, you know, troglodytes is a word from uh, Plato's Republic, so maybe these are like Greeks, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, a Greek tragedy. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the movie makes enough of an effort to distance these people from any kind of real Native Americans that to say the film is trying to use the old Native Americans as savages trope would be kind of like trying to say that wrong turn was trying to depict the people of uh, West Virginia. <laughs> you know? So, so um, I didn't feel like it got into that kind of trope. I think it did a good job of trying to stay away from that. Uh, the troglodytes in the film are violent cannibals who maim and hobble the females of the group, treating them like nothing more than birth machines. Uh, oh, and I think the, uh, the filmmakers are very careful to draw that distinction, uh, put Zama Claire in the movie. It seemed like just to uh, point that out, uh, that's just the opinion of an old white guy like me. Uh, but I, and I could understand maybe the film would cause some people to be upset. And if that's your opinion, just don't watch it. But sure. uh, I thought they did a good job of, of keeping away from that kind of trope. Um, and I think you can enjoy the film if, if, if that's the way you feel about it. Uh, it's kind of a film that's kind of like Dust Till Dawn, where it, it kind of skirts two genres. It's almost like two different films. You have more of like a Western film in the first two thirds of the movie. It's kind of a sheriff's hunt for... Uh, you know, the, these uh, outlaws almost in the first two thirds of the film. And it's uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, a typical Westerns in some ways. Uh, and then once they get to what they call the Valley of the Starving Man, where the, uh, the troglodytes live, it's a full out horror film. Uh, and there is just a great use of violence in gore in this film. That's terrifying. It, it, it isn't gore just to show gore it isn't torch porn. It is a scary depiction of violence. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a death scene uh, in the troglodytes cave that is actually shocking and disturbing and genuinely scary. Uh, and that kind of thing is why I watch horror movies. You know, it stayed with me. It was a bone chilling, phenomenal scene. Yeah. And the cinematography and sudden suddenness of that are exactly why I think violence and gore have a place in horror. Um, I, I think that scene really showed how you could effectively use violence and gore yeah. in, in, in a way to scare and just leave you with an impression. Yeah, and, and they did a upset. really, really yeah. good job of it. Nice. Um uh, you know, it can be used to create a very terrifying scene, uh, not one that's merely exploit exploitative or, you know, uh, just attempts to be shocking like some of the stuff I've talked about yeah. that, I, that I refer to as torture porn. Um, so I had, I had the same feeling watching that particular scene as I did in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre when Pam gets hung up on that meat hook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was so unexpected and scary. It was just a masterful piece of horror. I'm not going to ruin it. You have to see it. There's a death scene in that cave, and that's what I'm talking about. And you will know when you see it. Uh, all of the encounters with the troglodytes in this film are are scary and terrifying, in my opinion. They don't telegraph them at all, and it just go it goes beyond a jump scare. Uh, movie has a lot of good scares involving those guys, uh, and the makeup effects on the troglodytes are really great. They evoke a, a real terror, and every scene with them in it, in my in my opinion, was very scary and tense. I mean, I, I was they, they were they're scary uh, scary people. Uh, the cave they live in has a, a great claustrophobic feel. And the director never takes us out of that. We're stuck in this narrow cave with these uh, these things, the troglodytes, and at any moment one can pop out. Uh, and there's this thing that I, I guess it's, it's my own thing. I call it the agoraphobia mistake. And agoraphobia, of course, the fear of open spaces uh, is what it usually means. A lot of horror movies... 
House of a Thousand Corpses does this. The remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre suffers from it. They start with a really enclosed claustrophobic space and they open up into this expansive area. And like like yeah. in uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, they started in that house. And I thought that was, you know, claustrophobic and scary. That really good feeling. Rob Zombie had a good feeling going on there, I thought, of being claustrophobic and scary and then they go into that underground chamber or whatever and it's this wide open space yeah it's this huge thing and it totally changes and i think they do it so that you can have people running away from long distances from these you know whatever it's whatever's chasing them uh i'm not sure why they do that but i think it really takes away from uh what is a a lot of times a good claustrophobic uh uh feeling in a movie texas chainsaw massacre film i'm thinking about is the one uh I think it was with the one with Arlie Ermey where they, where they end up in like a flooded basement. I don't know if you've ever seen this one. I think it was the reboot of it. No, uh, I, yeah, I don't remember seeing it. And that. again, it started out in this really scary small house, and then you have this massive flood basin, not scary anymore. Uh, this film doesn't make that mistake. The cave where the troglodytes live is cramped and tiny, and uh, it's a terrifying place, and I was very happy to see them escape it. <laughs> and like, and uh, uh, the acting was top-notch. Uh, I mean, what do you expect from Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson? Uh it, it did take a little getting used to me not thinking of Russell in this particular wardrobe as Wyatt Earp from Tombstone. <laughs> but he does, he does a great job of shedding that character. And I wasn't thinking that Val Kilmer was going to walk in after five minutes or after about five minutes of seeing him in character as this sheriff. I think I saw the, the picture or the poster of that movie. And Kurt mm-hmm. Russell looks exactly the same as he did in uh, Hateful Eight, the Quentin Tarantino he actually, movie. Yes, he does. So, so he must have made that movie just before or just maybe, after he did that movie. Maybe, maybe that could be... <laughs> Uh, I guess uh, Wilson's character, he does a really good job. He has a broken leg throughout the entire movie. And that could have been a real annoying distraction if they hadn't done it right. Uh, But he plays it so well, it adds to the dread and terror, in in my opinion, Mm -hmm. on this movie. I I think it could be really annoying to see someone hobbling around like that. And just, you know, that could have been done wrong. It was done very right. Richard Jenkins, uh, who's an actor, uh, my favorite role he was in was uh, Burn After Reading. Uh, not a horror movie, but uh, he's, he's a great buffoon. Provides a little levity between all the genuine terror. And uh, Matthew Fox plays, uh, he does a good job of uh, playing like a, kind of an anti-hero scoundrel type. Mm. Uh, you kind of love and hate in this movie. I, I wanted to say I didn't like him in the movie, but I think I just didn't like, I disliked his character. And, That's effective, though. That, I think, is pretty good acting, right? Absolutely. So, so as far as a score, I mean, to me, I, I love the fact that it's yep. got such a all-star lineup. Right. And it's got this kind of a, almost a sound like, Maybe Hills Have Eyes? Yeah, it, it does. It, it, I would say that the troglodytes in this film, you could really compare them to the Hills Have Eyes or, or a movie like Wrong Turn. You mm-hmm. know, That's the kind of... Uh, group of people we're talking about some real scary uh guys that show up they look scary they're frightening they show up out of nowhere and, and they're there to kill you so, <laughs> so i gave it three and a half stars i, Ooh, I really nice. liked it that's it's one of my uh one of the better movies that i've reviewed lately so i so. wanted to watch it because you actually you have been talking about it yep. for the past couple of weeks here yeah. but I, I said yeah let's let andy review it and then it, <laughs> if if i like what i'm hearing i'll i'll, I'll try it out yeah i would definitely uh, give i i recommend it uh, give it a watch yeah exactly what do you got for us this uh week? you know i'm going i'm gonna go in reverse here okay um you know, I don't always go off the score of what Rotten Tomatoes says, but they're sure. pretty spot on when they usually give something a bad review. Thus, the 2014 film As Above, So Below. Okay, yeah. An archaeologist is looking for a sacred treasure in the bowels of the hidden tunnels below Paris, France. 
Little do they know that there's evil forces ready to stop them. She puts together a nice team. It's a found footage film. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 26%. <laughs> right. The plot's all over the place. The acting sucks. I couldn't finish it. I, I got really? three quarters of the way really? through the movie. Wow. I'm just like, and I, I read a book. I, I, yeah. I never read a book. <laughs> really? Okay. I read a book. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, so I believe I've seen this movie, and it was so forgettable that I can't recall one thing about it other than I, that I didn't like it. It was boring. Yeah. I remember it being dull. I mean, great concept, and I think I, the trailer looked really cool. It, it could have been, <laughs> and like you were talking about with Bone Tomahawk, yeah. that sense of dread and being being enclosed, right? Because that's what it was. You were in the tunnels, right? Because Paris, France, actually has these dug tunnels that they uh, maybe the French Revolution, and then they've added more to it during right. World War One and World War Two. That these are real tunnels, but there's yeah. this, you know, this idea of a treasure, but it's that paranormal, supernatural thing that happens down there that's trying to protect these treasures. And everybody in the team played some sort of cliche of who they are. You know, right. You know, you have the uppity French guy going, oh, yes, we need to go down there and find the treasure, but we need to get out because we are not going to make it out to land. You know, it's just, it, <laughs> right. it's unbelievably boring. No, I agree. There was just, it was, it was a bunch of, the characters were one dimensional. It was dull. Uh, there was very little as far as scares go. And it should have been, you know, I mean, that is a real yeah. place. Uh, and uh, I think it is, it is where they buried people back in the, in the, in the day or whatever. And, uh, you know, I've been in, in some of those places in Europe and it's, it's, it's got kind of a creepy feel to it. Like it could be a very effective setting for a horror film. Like for me, I think it would have been. Actually, would have been really affected because I mean I, I don't know how popular the Ghost Hunter shows are anymore. Yeah, but I think if they would have set the film up like that, sure, you know, and and uh, uh, just a build up of it, and you know, you, you just start seeing things. Maybe maybe the same uh, kind of formula that that Paranormal Activity had, where there's a right. there's a build up. You know, something weird happens, and something a little more violent happens, and then you start seeing apparition apparitions, kind of like the what they have on these Ghost Hunter shows, and and you can. Since you have a budget and you do the found footage, make it like that. Not right. this overacted, everybody's a cliche piece of crap. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. No, it was. I, I would agree with that sentiment. I, I like I said, I can't think of, uh, I, I can't remember one bit of, bit of that movie that, uh, and I watched it not too long ago. And that says something about it. I think I was obviously distracted with my phone or <laughs> something a lot more entertaining than, than the movie when I was watching it. Our boss gave us a book. <laughs> okay. It, like he gave me a book to read. Yeah. And I read the book. Read <laughs> it was book. a book your boss gave you. Wow. That's, that really says something. Yeah, about Mike, that. Michael gave me a book to read. And okay. I was like, oh, I got to watch a horror movie for the, for the horoscope. But <laughs> I watched this. Oh, oh yeah. Michael gave me this book. I might as well do that. <laughs> well, I watched, uh, I actually uh, watched the entirety of a movie that, uh, and, and when, while I was doing it, I, I said to myself, just do it for the podcast. Keep going here. Yeah. <laughs> like like we've said, we have to make sacrifices right, for this exactly. podcast. Yes. Uh, that movie, and I talked about it um, a couple, again, this is one of those I've been threatening to review for a couple weeks now. I misidentified this movie as Crave a couple weeks ago. That's a different movie on Prime that I haven't watched. And I apologize to the filmmakers of that movie for associating them with this. Uh, now, uh, I try to take movies for what they are. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a super indie movie. You could tell that right away. This wasn't a flick meant to be an Oscar continue or so, uh, contender. 
Uh, and I like some really bad B movies. There's uh, there's like a bunch of these Krampus movies that I like to watch during the holidays. Well, it's they're, they're terrible. Yeah, you know they're bad movies. But I so I like B movies. It's not like uh, it has to be Silence of the Lambs every time for me or something. Uh, I just had some real problems with this movie, uh, and I would have stopped watching it halfway through. But I was like, got to keep going for the podcast. <laughs> Uh, the plot is that some people, and I think they might have had a podcast actually in the movie. I didn't care to try to remember or even Google it, but uh, somebody who has like a podcast or a blog or some sort of show or something is researching some urban legend in Florida about feral children. Uh, there's been some sort of environmental disaster involving sinkholes and methane or something like that. <laughs> And I don't know. It, Somebody it, uh, talks too much. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, we talked about, you know, uh, I talked about Bone Tomahawk and Native Americans. I was careful to really portray them as, you know, not in an offensive manner. This movie, I think, is actually very condescending to people of a lower socioeconomic background. Uh, there's a scene in a diner that I think really can, tries to characterize the people of a smaller town, like the waitresses and the people who would eat there as these stupid redneck rubes. And I thought it was really actually pretty offensive. Dang. Uh, there was one thing I liked. Uh, uh, there was the protagonist drove around in a 1975-ish Firebird, Ooh. and I have a Trans Am, so I thought that was. That. I thought I liked the uh, the Firebird in the movie, but it was it was kind of beat up. One point, it loses its windshield, but that doesn't prevent the uh, characters from having this conversation at highway speeds with no eye protection uh, and not having their hair blow around yeah. later. And, yeah, and they but, could just talk to each other. Yeah, just absolutely. Like this. You know. Oh, you know. So here's something I really hated about this movie: CGI blood. Okay, I would rather see red paint used <laughs> than CGI blood. I mean, it takes me out of uh, out of movie. Always looks like CGI blood. Maybe there's maybe there's sometimes that CGI blood doesn't look like CGI blood, but when it looks like CGI blood, it looks really bad. Just use red paint. Even ketchup would be better, in my opinion. Yeah, there, there was than a CGI com- blood. There was a comedy I saw the other day, and it was like it was making fun of cgi yeah and basically somebody got cut and it was all yeah. cgi and then you saw you saw the person move away from the spot they they're, they're, <laughs> right. they're blocking and, the kept and they coming out of that spot just floating in the air that's basically what it was a little it, th- th- that didn't happen but uh it did spray all over and then not seem to stick to the walls or anything <laughs> so <laughs> maybe you can do this uh for static blood uh put put that in on the floor and after effects or something, if you don't want to like uh, mess up the location that you're shooting at. But uh, this movie uses like for like arterial spray and it looks just fake and terrible. Uh, I mean, it's worse than mortal Kombat one. <laughs> Does, doesn't it cost more to use CGI? I, than would it is? Think like, so. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. It must not these days. I I, not. And I imagine, you know, you don't have to like get someone to mop up the uh, location you're filming at the next day, but yeah, there uh, you, go. you know, you don't have to mop up all the ketchup or red paint that you use, but it looked, it was, it was very terrible. Uh, I thought this would have been a, what, what the plot of it is that these people end up getting trapped in this high school and this guy, uh, starves them and then makes them fight for food. And, uh, I, I think it would have been a much more effective martial arts movie. <laughs> like if they had some martial artists in there. Uh, the fights were very boring, very dull, very poorly choreographed. Uh, the There was a pregnant girl who was like her pregnancy added nothing to the story. We just had to watch this pregnant girl fight. And, like, uh, it's it totally contrived. Oh, I don't know what, what that was supposed to be. Uh, there was... 
you know, I guess the cannibalism, the feral children were supposed to be cannibals. At one point, a character's offered finger food and a not very good literal take on that dish. Uh, but I, I think it was <laughs> trying to have some message about the depravity of people deprived of their basic needs, but it didn't. I mean, this is something that you can talk about at 1 a.m. Uh, when you're drunk at a bar, that kind of conversation. Like, what would you do if you were starved? You know, would you would you try to eat somebody else? Would you fight your girlfriend for uh, food if you were starved? You know, it, it, it was a lot better. Uh, it's a lot better drunk conversation than a movie, and it just did not transfer. <laughs> Survival of the fittest that's just yeah, going nowhere. It, it just it was bad. Uh, what was the I, name of this? Uh, it's called Starve. Let me get Starve. the name right. It's on. It was on Amazon Prime. I'll give it about one and a half stars for the Firebird. Oh, there you go. So, okay, without the Firebird. Firebird. Star. Oh yeah, I give it half star probably. <laughs> you got one whole star for a sweet ride. Uh, I'm going to the one I really, really enjoyed. Actually, my girlfriend Karina turned me on to this movie because oh, really? okay. this, uh, her sister actually loved this movie, and I'm like, okay, well let's give it a let's give it a whirl. Okay. It's a 2013 movie, Mama. Okay. PG-13. Now, now, with those kind of movies, they're kind of hit and miss. To me, this was yeah. a hit. Jessica Chastain's in it. Okay. She looks completely different. Like, she, really? you know how she has the red hair? Right. Very distinguishable. She's got a pixie cut that's dark. Huh. And she's like a bass player in a band. Um, two young girls left to fend for themselves. It's Lily and Victoria in the wilderness because their parents died. Uh, they became animalistic to survive okay. I mean, on like crawling all fours and stuff like that yeah. uh the youngest one victoria is not fully developed she she's like two or three at the time and then lily is older so she's like six but like three or four years later the uncle uh that's nicola colster waldo okay from game of thrones oh okay so he's in it he plays their uncle uh so uh, he and Chastain, they live together, they adopt him, and then uh, the uncle goes in and tries to figure out how did these girls survive, and then all of a sudden it becomes very sinister. There's that, that, that uh, like a paranormal um, urban legend, which actually translates well when it comes to how the girls were protected, so this paranormal urban legend protected these girls supernatural aspect of it yeah it really was i I, I mean the craziest thing about it was is it was like we talked about urban legends not really translating well but this is not one that you know about you know it it, it was like one that and the the mother the mama because that's what the girls call her follow these girls back to the uncle's house and they're tr- she's trying to take them back and oh. then you know, it culminates with a heartbreaking scene at the very end so um ugh, some great acting the storyline a little bit jumbled uh there's some really good jump scares talking about cgi i think there was a little too much cgi used in this especially when it came to the mama character but it was good i i solid three nice it's on amazon prime called mama i'll have to check that out all right Absolutely. Sounds very good. Um, anything uh, you got to recommend for us uh, other than that? Uh, you know, I kind of, there's one I saw on on um, Netflix. It's called Friend Request. Okay. It's kind of fun to watch. 2016. Don't look for it for storyline, but it's got a kind of a cool twist of people that are obsessed with social media. Okay. Uh, yeah. it's, it's got a witch story to it. And then we talked know. about some of the unfriended before. It's, yeah, it's a little the, different than that. It's just it's ba- a, based on social media. It's not like take, doesn't take place on a screen or anything. No, no, no. no. Okay. It's a it's a fully blown film that, that okay. 
you know, it takes the the bad side of social media of sharing mm. things mm. and and you know, friend the friend request. It's like, oh boy, how many friends do I have on Facebook or how many followers do I have on Instagram? It kind of takes the the commentary of that, and it's got a pretty cool story to it. The acting kind of is not great, um, but it's it's fun if you want to sit down for an hour and thirty minutes and just kind of kill some time. I I think you had a good time with it. Cool. So I think next week we talked about this a little bit. I think we should maybe be a little more informative. Sure. So when it comes to being new to uh, horror movies, I mean, I, I think there's, there's three major genres that, that you could really watch. One would be, do you have a strong stomach? There's a great horror movie out there, but man, you got to have a strong stomach for this. Sure. I want to be scared. I want to be scared poopless <laughs> right the psychological thro- the psychological mm-hmm. horror and then i think you can there there are some out there that are tame that you'll be entertained by right so i think those are the three uh different genres of horror movies that we'll talk about next week but yeah know. john and i have talked a little bit about this i've got some uh, good ones i think i can recommend and yeah it's it's more of we're going to talk more about if you're if you're looking to get into horror or uh, you know you want you just want some Movies that, uh, you know, are, are a good introduction to to some classic uh, horror um, uh, situations and, and, and something that you'll enjoy uh, if you're trying to get into it. And the, so. the more I thought about it last week was it, it was like, well, what could we are there really movies out there that are tame? And yeah, there actually is. No, it, there are. There because, absolutely are. You don't sure. have to go back to the 30s and 40s. That, right. And again, talking about the 30s and 40s movies, I'm not the biggest fans of those. Sure, but what they there. did <laughs> in those movies, and there are a lot of modern movies that are that have kind of brought that theme back, is the horror doesn't have to happen. Doesn't have to happen in front of you. It's off camera. It leaves it leaves it to your imagination oh, of absolutely. what's going on. And I think you know uh, maybe. 10 years ago, there was a kind of a glut of PG-13 horror films. Mm-hmm. Some of them were very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Grudge was one of them. That was rated PG-13, if I remember Great right. Movie. Yeah, it's a fantastic, scary movie. One of the, one of the scariest movies uh, I remember at that time. And, uh, you know, it, it is, um, I don't know if I'd call it tame necessarily, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, what, what you traditionally think of. it. There wasn't a lot of violence. There wasn't yeah. a lot of gore. It was very psychological. Yeah, so. it, it could fall in both of those categories, yeah. whether it be tame or, or mm-hmm. psychological. That's right. going to scare the right. living hell right. out of you. Right, <laughs> absolutely. So there are very good movies like that, um, and, and I think we'll talk about some of them next week. I think we will. Well, you have fun All in right. Vegas, and we'll chat next week. Sounds great, John. Talk to you later.